about 18 years ago, about 18 years ago, on a Sunday night, uh, different location, our church, we had a special music event one evening, and I, and I don't remember the reason why, but it was me at the soundboard, uh, which is already bad, and I was having all kinds of trouble to be expected, me at the soundboard, and trying to get the thing going, and all of a sudden, this young man walks in, uh, sees me struggling, and offers to help. Now, normally, you don't just accept free help at the soundboard, right? Like, oh, yeah, sure, come touch all these you know, knobs, but... I was completely out of my element. I welcomed the help, and with a few knob twists and uh, soundboard wizardry, uh, it became all better. In fact, it probably sounded as best as it had ever sounded ever. And from that day forward, through a series of events that God led and worked out, Derek would eventually come on staff with us, serve with us for a season. Uh, we licensed him as a Calvary Okinawa pastor, and then God grabbed him and launched him into the mission field where he currently serves with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He's the director of Asia uh, with Franklin Graham and Franklin Graham's son, Will Graham. But from that day, when Derek walked into our lives and actually would meet his uh, wife, here, who is also a missionary, um, wherever God sends Derek and his very beautiful family, uh, they continue to make it better. And uh, I'm so thankful because uh, Derek is able to come to Okinawa only because he's on a business trip, really to mainland Japan, and we stole him away for a couple of days. He's willing to bring the word this morning. And so church family, would you join me in welcoming probably one of the best human beings on planet Earth, uh, our good friend Derek Forbes. Let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, Rick is too kind, but you guys know that because he's your pastor. So um, it is a joy to be back in Okinawa. See some friendly faces that I remember. Some some of you are back as well. Um, the Giselles, we served together before, <laughs> uh, but it's wonderful to be back here together with you. Uh, I would like to give just a quick ministry update, family update as well, uh, before we dive into the Word. Um, Allison and I, we met here in Okinawa at a vacation Bible school. So uh, singles, if you um, are waiting on the Lord to bring you a husband, wife, uh, vacation Bible school is a great place to start. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, uh, wait on the Lord. He'll bring you your wife at the right time. Uh, but Alice and I, we've been married about 14 years in January. Uh, Pastor Rick actually got to do our wedding. It was wonderful. Uh, Pastor Glenn from Iokuni was there as well. Uh, Yastomo, you were there. Um, so many of you were there, actually. And uh, we were just truly blessed. Uh, we have three children. Adele is 13. Uh, Elijah, 9, or excuse me, 10. And Amelie is 9. Uh, last time we were here in Okinawa, I think Adele was six, and so uh, it's just been a number of years uh, before we, since we lived here. But you'll see some photos. This is us up in La Habra, um, California. We spent, Allison's family, or her parents were uh, living in the California area. That's where she's from. Um, when the pandemic hit, we were in California, and so we kind of got stuck there, and uh, so I kind of volunteered and served for a, a season at La Habra, 
helping with their video and with um, just running wires, running cables. It was a lot of fun. Um, since we homeschooled, the pandemic didn't hit us very hard because uh, nothing changed when the schools closed down. We just kind of kept going. Um, Allison started appreciating being a homeschool mom when all those mimes would show up and say, you know, what I thought of homeschool moms before, what I think of them now. Um, she appreciated those things. But uh, after, well, I guess in the middle of the 2020, uh, some doors opened again for travel. And so we got on an airplane and flew to Seoul, South Korea. And we were supposed to be getting ready for a festival that the pandemic ultimately postponed indefinitely. But uh, there's a picture of us at the airport in LAX. Um, back then, it was, you know, you can get through security in five, ten minutes. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, but the airports were empty. Uh, I've been traveling for roughly a year, and the airports are, have just been empty. In, in recent travels, they're really starting to pick up again as the borders are starting to open, restrictions are starting to go away. Uh, coming into Japan, some of you have done that recently. It, it's a whole new world as well. Um, and uh, it's just been a, a joy to be able to do what we do. Uh, we've lived in Asia. Uh, I got here in 2004. Uh, Alice and I got married, and for then for 13 years, we moved from country to country every year. Uh, some of you guys move every three, four years. Uh, there was one year we moved four countries in 12 months. Um, and so that's kind of been our life. Our kids are used to it. Uh, and in, um, I guess it was September, October time last year, Franklin asked us to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. So there's some pictures up here. That's us in the car driving four days LA to Charlotte. Um, I had a start date and so I needed to get there. And so we left and drove a crazy four days, but the kids did really well with it. Uh, then we, we bought a house in North Carolina. And so this is us celebrating in front of our new house. Um, <laughs> We, we've never, Allison has a house in LA, but this is actually the first time in 13 years that we've consolidated everything into one place because we're always moving. Um, I was licensed, you know, driver's license in Washington where I'm from and she was in California, but we'd been married for 13 years. So she was very happy. Um, <laughs> and uh, because of the pandemic, this is what our house looked like for about two months. Uh, the next one, because everything was coming from Korea and stuck in uh, transit because of all the shipping delays in the LA port. And so we lived with lawn chairs and sleeping on the floor and fun things like that. I'm sure some of you have maybe done that for a season of life as well. Uh, but this has just kind of been our life um, as we move around and do festivals with Franklin Graham and celebrations with Will Graham throughout Asia. Uh, I've been blessed, um, going into ministry update now, I've been blessed to work with Franklin since he came here to Okinawa in 2006. Um, I, I remember sitting with Rick in his office. He was the international youth chairman. And I said, I want to help with the stage. And he pulled out the org chart and said, there's so many ways to get involved. You know, there's more than just the stage. But I prayed real hard, and I ended up being directly involved with the production for the festival here. And... Um, uh, they hired me on the local office down at Naha Baptist Church, and then uh, after the festival, they asked me to go with them. And so uh, since then, I've been able to be involved in 19 festivals with Franklin Graham throughout Asia and two celebrations with Will Graham. Um, 
just some numbers. I didn't share in first service, but I'll share here. Uh, in the last, since 2006, with all the events we've done, we've been, we've done about 40 different things with Franklin and Wilt combined, um, and reached. Uh, we've had attendance combined of over three million, and we've had over 230,000 people respond to the gospel in those 40 events. And so it's been a pretty amazing opportunity to serve the Lord in this way. Um, currently, we're working in Vietnam. If you could pray for that. There's a picture they're going to show of our leadership there. Uh, pastors who have been serving faithfully even through the war, some of them. Uh, God is doing some mighty things there in Ho Chi Minh City, which is where we're at now. Uh, in 2017, we were in Hanoi. And because of what God did in Hanoi, even with the government, we've got some favor where they want us to come. And I've had government officials tell me, um, you know, it's, we know what you're going to do. We, we're not worried about what you're going to do. You just have to go through the process. But we want you to do it because we want the world to see that we have religious freedom in Vietnam. It's like, okay, I can, I can take that for sharing the gospel. <laughs> And so pray for that. Uh, this next photo, we just had an event with pastors and leaders, 920 people in that room. Um, that's the largest gathering of pastors and leaders that the city has ever seen. Uh, there's represented in that room is 62 different denominations. Um, denominations have a hard time coming together. Uh, there are lines in their walls. They, they don't like to lower them. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is it, it lowers the wall enough to say we can agree on the gospel and let's go forward and proclaim the gospel together. And so that's a lot of what you see in that room right there. Um, but some of the pastors and leaders shared that uh, they've never seen that. And it's really because the gospel brings us together that they're excited about what God's going to do in March. And that's when we're looking to do the festival, early March. Um, been blessed as well. Franklin, you know, again, we moved to Charlotte and we used to live in Asia, but now I commute to Asia. Um, it's a long commute. But uh, my family has been blessed to be able to go with us. And so they're on, uh, currently we're going to be able to have them come with me to Vietnam for three months. And we just finished in Mongolia. And so my family got to go to Mongolia. There's a picture of us on camels riding in Mongolia. Um, and, uh, but aside from the camels, we're going to play a little video soon. But uh, this is the, the leadership, I think it's the next photo, is that right? Oh, that's my family in Mongolia. <laughs> um, very much part of the leadership. Uh, but uh, you see my wife and my kids, um, their time in Mongolia, my son says, Mongolia is the best place in the world. Uh, next to Okinawa, of course. Uh, he loves it here. But um, we're going to play a little video and then I'll share some statistics of what uh, God did numbers-wise there in Mongolia. But want to be able to show you visually uh, just a video follow-up report that the ministry did after the festival was over. So we'll go ahead and play a quick video for you guys. Tonight you can be forgiven. And tonight you can have a new beginning. 
cleansed from all of your sins. With that hope of heaven. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And I'm going to ask you to do that right now. So this uh, next photo it shows just the altar call. Uh, we we kind of call this our official photo. But um, during that two-day event, uh, what you saw there, it kind of looks like two different events. But one one uh, group of people is the inside crowd. The other is the overflow outside. Um, we had 17,000 people attend the two-day event, and over two days we had 20 over 2,300 people come forward and accept the gospel in some way. So we, we call it a spiritual response. Um, that's assurance, re, uh, rededication, salvation. Some of them just have questions, but they responded in some way. Um, the response rate is, was really high. Uh, it was 13.5% of the total audience came forward. Um, the reason we say it's high is a, a normal response is somewhere around five to seven. And if it's a Christian event where there's just a lot of Christians in the room, it's actually like 2% or 1%. Um, with a 13%, that, that shows us that the ministry happened. The church has actually invited their friends to come hear the gospel. And before the festival actually took place, we, kn we knew from phone calls to churches and just inquiries about how the buses were working, we knew that we were expecting about a 40 to 60 split with 40% believers and 60% non-believers coming to the event. And so right now, um, that, that's actually really cool. Uh, but right now the churches are doing the follow-up work to help uh, all those that came forward get connected in the church and start growing. So you can pray for the church in Mongolia. It's a young church. Um, it's about 30 years old, the entire church. It's kind of like an Acts chapter 2 church. Uh, but they're young, excited, and coming out of the pandemic, they're looking forward to the future. Um, next year you can pray with us as well. We're I uh, forgot to share this first service, but we're planning to do six cities in Mongolia next year, not with Franklin or Will, but with a local evangelist that we're going to support to kind of continue the momentum that happened this year. Uh, in the future for Asia, we're, I'm here because we're looking at doing a celebration with Will Graham in Shikoku, which is the island just south of Hiroshima, uh, east of Iwakuni. Uh, many of you Marines and Navy would know where that's at. Um, so we're, I'm going to have some meetings there next week. Uh, we're also looking at Laos and Brunei and Indonesia, Nepal, Cambodia, and Thailand, uh, all within the next five to, to ten years. And so um, please just continue to pray with us and with them as we pray and ask the Lord, do you want to do this kind of an outreach? Uh, it's not something we don't want to just go in and do, but we want to be able to partner together with local churches. So we covet your prayers for that. Um, and for the continued ministry that we have, not just for us, but for Franklin as well. Um, as you guys watch the news and watch the world around us, the, the window of opportunity is getting smaller. <laughs> and so we want to continue to pray that while the door is open, we can preach and proclaim the gospel. Uh, we're going to dive into the word this morning, spend a little time there, because that is the reason we are here. Uh, and it's, a, again, a joy to be with you. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 15 
And while you're turning, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. The ushers will bring one down to you and you can read along with us. But in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, we have the parable of the lost sheep. And we read, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, and if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? And then when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. It's a beautiful day. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ministry that you've called all of us to, Lord, in different ways, different places. Lord, we thank you that we are called by you to be your children. And so as we dive in and look at these passages, these verses today, Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts to help us hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the three parables that we find in Luke 15, they're, they're all kind of focused on the joy of finding that which was lost. And this, this is the joy of the Father, the joy of God, when, when a sinner repents and comes home. Right? And that's the, the home with capital H. They come home. In order to gain some contextual perspective, I think it's important to look back and uh, see what were the events that led up to this parable being shared. In Luke 14, Jesus gets uh, this invitation to a Sabbath meal, and it's with... The, a ruler of the Pharisees. And at this meal, the Pharisees, they've brought a diseased man whom Jesus heals on the Sabbath. He loves doing that. Then he, the, uh, Jesus, he'll begin to teach the guest at this meal about taking the lowly place at the table rather than assuming the place of honor. Then he shares the parable of the Great Supper where we learn that God has invited everyone into relationship with him, but not everybody's going to accept that invitation. And Jesus then shares about what it means to really follow after God, that God must be the first of all the relationships in our life. He then talks about the goodness of salt and concludes that uh, by saying, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. This final word at the Sabbath meal, it leads into Luke 15.1, where we see that all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. The Pharisees, they wanted to be near Jesus, but they didn't, want, they didn't have a desire to hear what he was actually saying. For them, it was a matter of status. You know, in the early days of Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees wanted to be seen with Jesus. We see them there all the time. He was popular. He spoke with authority. 
And they wanted to keep him close so they could manage him according to their rules. But Jesus saw right through their hypocrisy and went to those who genuinely wanted to be with him and would hear him joyfully. You know, the word hear, it, it means to find out, to learn, to comprehend, to understand. You know, as followers of Jesus, it should be our desire to, to hear Jesus, to learn from him, to find out more about his ways. And we should do this with, a, with an attitude of joy. In response to Luke 14, 35, the tax collectors and sinners, they, they drew near to Jesus to hear him. However, the response of the Pharisees was to murmur and complain that Jesus would dare to love sinners. They said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Rather than being excited, the tax collectors and sinners were uh, listening to the word of God and their, and their lives were being changed, the Pharisees complained and attempted to discredit Jesus. There are two, two elements in this intended insult from the Pharisees that are really a blessing that I want to point out real quick. The blessing number one is that Jesus receives sinners. By saying that Jesus was receiving sinners, the Pharisees were saying that he accepts or has given them access to himself. He's allowing them to be a part of his known associates. You see, for a good Jew, hanging out or being associated with a sinner would make you unclean. It would be uh, like you'd be a social outcast. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And... They were the experts in the law of Moses and they kept it to the letter. But in their devotion to the law of God, they really missed the very heart of God. God's heart is for relationship. That's why uh, he created us. He created us for relationship with him. But the relationship was broken by sin and the access we once had to God, the Father, we, was lost. Yet God still desired a relationship with his beloved creation and made a way for us to have, uh, to be reconciled back to him. And this way of access is through Jesus Christ. In this accusation of the Pharisees that Jesus receives sinners, which was intended to scatter the people away from Jesus, it, you know, there's a beautiful thing. They were really proclaiming, the Pharisees were, they were proclaiming a great and awesome, joyful truth that though we are sinners, Christ receives us. The second blessing that we see in this accusation is that Jesus eats with sinners. Now the Pharisees, they tried to discredit by pointing out that he was eating with sinners. And the Jews of the day, they, they would eat communally. That means that they would eat from the same bowl and, and then double dipping, that was a normal thing, right? We all kind of cringe at that, but that was normal. And so if you were eating a meal with somebody, it was a, a very intimate occasion. You see, when if, if you and I were eating a meal together in that day, we would be dipping into the same hummus. We would be eating from the same rack of lamb. 
and the nutrients that we're eating from all this different food, it would become part of my body, it would become a part of your body. And in a sense, we'd be coming to, uh, we would really be coming one by eating the same food together. It's an amazing thought that God, <laughs> the creator of the universe, came down from heaven and became a man. Right? That he was willing to set aside his divine rights in order to fellowship with us at, who are sinners. <laughs> but you see, God was not becoming one with sinners. He was allowing sinners like you and me access to him in order that he might show us mercy and grace from a loving and loving heavenly father and bring us salvation. He was allowing us to become one with him. You know, the grumbling accusations of the Pharisees, Jesus responded this way. He, he responded with a parable that points directly to his purpose and his minute mission. And he points out that they should have been rejoicing at what they were seeing rather than murmuring and complaining. In verse 4, Jesus says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found the lost sheep. Here in the parable of the lost sheep, we, we see the mission of Jesus. And that mission is to seek and to save the lost. In this parable, the lost sheep, it represents the sinner. Like, uh, and the man, the shepherd, he represents Jesus Christ. Sheep are often a, an analogy for human behavior, uh, and with good reason. Uh, they can recognize their master's voice and respond to it. Sheep are actually very smart. Um, they, can, they are very social animals, and they like to be together. Right? Do we like to be together? Yeah. They like to be with other sheep. However, sheep have one very big problem. Sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. If a sheep is left on his own, he will die. If a sheep gets injured or becomes sick, they will die unless they get proper care. And yet, rather than seeking help for their illness, they hide themselves among the other sheep, hoping not to get noticed as weak. Sheep have numerous predators. And without a shepherd to defend the sheep, they do not stand a chance. If a sheep cannot see another sheep, they become stressed. Sheep can become easily distracted and wander away from the rest of the flock. If they wander too far away and they can no longer see the flock, they have no sense of direction to, get, to find their way back to the flock. Does this sound like human behavior? You know, Jesus uses this last scenario to, in this parable of the lost sheep. The sheep's wandered off, he's gotten himself lost, and when the shepherd sees that the sheep is lost, he leaves the rest of the flock and he goes in search of the lost sheep and he does not intend to come back until he's found it. Jesus uses a very interesting word for lost here. 
This is the Greek word apolemai. And this word, it, it means to destroy. More specifically, it's to declare that one must be put to death, to devote or give over to eternal misery in hell. And it gives the idea that finding this sheep alive is pretty much impossible. Regardless, the sheep shepherd, he goes, and a- he goes out after this lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he happily lifts this massive a- animal up onto his shoulders and carries it home with great joy. And being so excited that he's found the lost sheep, he finds his friends and neighbors, and he says this, this is my paraphrase, he says, take joy with me. I found the, sh- the sheep that was lost alive, though it was surely to be found destroyed. You know, w- we often see pictures depicting, pictures and paintings depicting this. We see them portrayed where Jesus is uh, carrying a little lamb in his arms or a little lamb on his shoulders. But you know, the, the word here is sheep. It's a full-grown animal. It's not a small little lamb. A male sheep can weigh somewhere up to 350 pounds. This is not a little animal. And he picks it up and he throws it on his shoulders. You know, when we lived here uh, our last time uh, while we were on staff, we we lived right across the street almost. And um, uh, my wife, she was really good with Okinawa yard sales and Okinawa buku. You guys good at that? <laughs> she found this couch, and it was a, a nice American-sized couch, okay? And uh, so she found it, she ordered, you know, she confirmed it, and I arranged to uh, borrow a van, and some of you know Pastor Alex up at Kadena. He, he was here at the time, and he helped me, and we went over there to go get this couch. And um, wasn't too worried about the couch. The sellers, they, I think they lived in Kishaba, and so they were in one of those towers. They had those nice big American elevators. Um, and so we put it in the elevator, got it down, put it in the van. No big issues there. The concern showed up when we got to my house, because my house is a nice Japanese apartment with a nice Japanese size elevator that uh, doesn't really work with American sized furniture. And so we quickly realized that uh, this couch was not going in that elevator. And so we had uh, made a decision, okay, we're gonna carry it up the stairs. Um, <laughs> so we started on the B1 level and uh, went up to the third floor, so four flights of stairs. And um, by the time we got up to the apartment, we put the couch down in the living room, both of us were just drenched in sweat. And you guys have been here, some of you in the summer, you know it gets hot, it's sweaty, and we were just dripping with sweat. Now for me, to carry the couch up this flight of stairs, there was joy because I knew my wife was gonna be so happy that we got this couch. For Alex, I'm not sure he was quite as happy. <laughs> but for me, there was this joy. Because seeing in my mind how her face and how happy she was, and she literally was, we came in the door and she was just overjoyed, but also realizing how heavy this thing was. Um, I picture that in the same way. You know, for me, picking up that couch, and literally, I think we had to go vertically up the stairs because it couldn't turn the corners. I mean, it was a heavy, not easy job. But there was joy in it because of what I could see in my wife's face. 
And I see the same here with the shepherd. He, he, he finds this lost sheep. He lifts this massive body onto his shoulders and he carries it home with joy. He carries this sheep because it's been through a lot. It's been stressed. It's, it's been alone in the world. It can't find its way. It's lost its direction. There's no telling if it's been attacked or injured, but it's certainly possible. But the shepherd picks him up on his shoulders and he carries his sheep home. And that's exactly what Jesus does with us. He came into this world on a rescue mission to rescue us from sin. And Jesus takes our burdens, he takes our shame, and he mends our wounds, and, and he brings us home with great joy. And that's what we see in verse 7. He says, I say to you that likewise there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. A sinner is, is someone who's not free from sin. They're actually devoted to it. Romans 3.23, it, it tells us that we're all sinners. We are all bound by sin and we are all declared apolemai, lost, destroyed, destined for destruction, misery and hell because of sin. We're lost sheep in need of a shepherd to come and rescue us from certain destruction. And God created us to be a part of his family, his flock. But we've all gone astray, 1 Peter 2.25. We've sinned and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But God has a rescue plan for his beloved creation. And though we have sinned and earned death because he loves us unconditionally, his free gift of salvation is for us. Salvation from sin through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again from the dead three days later. In Ezekiel 34, God declares that he himself will shepherd his people. He will go before us and save us from our sin. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, John 10, 11. The son of man come, has come to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10. You know, and some of you will remember in 2018, there were 12 boys and their coach in northern Thailand that went into a cave. And they got lost. The rain came and they got stuck. The whole world watched with great anticipation as rescuers sought to seek and save these boys alive. But by the time the ninth day came around, hopes of finding these boys alive seemed to grow very dim. But late in the night, and we were in Thailand at the time, late in the night, sounds of rejoicing came as the news that the boys had been found alive reached the ears of their loving families waiting outside the cave. Just like the rescuers who went deep into the cave to save the boys, Jesus came into this world on a rescue mission. He came to seek and to save you and me from our sins. And in the parable of the lost sheep, we see Jesus as our Savior. 
the good shepherd coming to rescue us from certain destruction. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. That God created us and has, a lo has loved us from the beginning. Just like the sheep, they didn't start out lost, but wandered off and became lost. Man was created in perfection, but sin, we sinned and we fell. And from the beginning, we've been known by our Creator, but sin separated us from Him, and we walked away from Him in His care. And for our transgression, we were sentenced to destruction. We were lost. Apollomai. However, it is not the will of God, not the will of our Father in heaven, that any one of His little ones should perish. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Pharisees were so focused on the law of God that they never really understood the, the love of God. And when they saw it displayed right in front of their eyes, they, they mocked it. But Jesus pointed to the joy that they should have had in seeing sinners come to repentance. You know, the, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin that follows, they, they, they give us reason to rejoice in God and with all of heaven over one sinner coming to repentance simply because we've received that same salvation. We, we are accepted by God through our faith in our good shepherd, Jesus Christ who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and brought us back to God's flock. Now, if you've surrendered your life and your will to Jesus Christ and follow him as your Lord and Savior, then he is your good shepherd. In Psalms 23, King David, also a shepherd, he declares in a beautiful picture of what the good shepherd is. He says this, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a boast that we can bo be proud to boast in. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, like the boys in the cave, but in a greater way, you and I have been rescued. We've been found. And there's a great joy in our salvation. You know, but, but God doesn't just, he, he loves us, but he doesn't just love us. He also loves sinners. Those who have not put their faith and trust in him. Jesus died for all sin. We cannot selfishly just rest in our comfort with the shepherd without following his directions and commandments for our life. 
You know, our commission from our shepherd is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We should share the joy that we have with others so that they too can have that joy. We should be busy about sharing the gospel. We should be busy with teaching God's word to other people. And we can serve with boldness because Jesus has promised that he's always going to be with us. If you've not accepted this free gift of salvation that God offers, you, I invite you to do that today. Jesus Christ took the penalty of sin and, the, the, and died the death that you and I deserve. And through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the way has been opened to forgiveness and re new relationship with God. God provided a bridge for us to cross the gap between us and him. That bridge is the cross of Jesus Christ. God has done everything necessary to provide forgiveness of sin. He offers us a choice to accept his forgiveness of sin and, and we can accept his forgiveness simply by trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and receiving him as our Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. As we come to a close, if that's you today, I want to invite you to accept Christ into your heart as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe some of you, you, you need to come back to the Lord. Some of you, it's a good reminder of the simplicity of the gospel. And some of you, it might be a challenge to go into work tomorrow <laughs> with a new boldness and reminder that Christ is with you to stand boldly for your faith. If, you're, if you want to trust the Lord as your Savior, then it's really just a matter of admitting your need for a Savior. <laughs> Being willing to turn from your sins. We call that Repentance. We turn from the direction we're going and we turn to Christ in a new direction. We believe that Christ died for you and on the cross and that he rose from the grave. And it's simply through prayer that we invite Jesus Christ to come in and to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, to control our lives. And we surrender our life to him. It's a very simple thing. But sometimes it's very hard. But it's so worth it. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for an opportunity to come back to Calvary Okinawa and back on this island, Lord, even for a short time. To be able to preach and proclaim the gospel that you love sinners and that you've called us all to be a part of your family. And that through Jesus Christ we can have salvation and forgiveness of sin. And we aren't destined for destruction if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're destined for hope and we're destined for home. 
to be restored in our relationship with you again, Father. And so I pray that if there's anyone here that wants to accept you as their Lord and Savior today, that you would help them to come to you and admit that they're a sinner, to turn and repent from their sins and to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died for their sins on the cross but didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave to show he's got power over death and over sin. And that you would, Lord, Jesus would come into their lives and they would invite him into their lives to be the Lord of their life, to let him control their life from this day forward. So, Father, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for us, that you didn't leave us to be destroyed, but you came on a rescue mission to seek and save that which was lost. And we rejoice in that with all the angels that you love us so much, Lord. And I thank you again. We ask that you bless our afternoon in Jesus' name.